We certainly have great belief in what we're doing, great belief in players, great belief in coaches. Until things are right consistently, we're not going to be happy. We found a way to win. That's really, really good. We did some things much better. There's, a, you know, there's some things we can do much better. So we'll just keep, keep trying to stack days, stack wins, get ourselves back to a consistent place where we want to be, and then hopefully take it from there. Matt Canada has belief in his offense. And after their performance last week compared to the previous two weeks, yeah, maybe it was the defenses they were facing. San Francisco looks like the best team in the NFL, and maybe outside of Miami. And the Cleveland Browns, who, statistically speaking, might be the best defense in all football. So there are contributing factors there. But yes, the Steelers' offense did look better in its performance against the Raiders in Vegas in an environment that was said to me, potentially even 70-30 Steeler fans. Felt like a home game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There are things, though, that Canada admitted they still have to work on that still need to be ironed out, which is very true in in the matter. His offensive line has progressed, have gotten better, has started to mold, have started to gel together. You're starting to see... Isaac Sayamalo find himself after a lot of confusion, miscommunication in the Cleveland game. And a part of that is just the new group trying to fit together. I still would get Chooks for out of there from right tackle. He has been gotten shredded by pass rushers. And it's not like he's the one that's going up against Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, Nick Bosa. That was Dan Moore's responsibility. Dan Moore didn't look great, but he held Miles Garrett in check. Dan Moore is Miles Garrett's biggest nemesis in the AFC North. He does not let the quarterback fall to the ground. And a lot of credit to Dan Moore for that. It's part of the reason why he might end up sliding over to right when it is indeed time for Broderick Jones. And it's time for more Joey Porter. But that's nor here nor there. But something that was very fascinating... Because, hey, if Matt Canada is not very happy with the offense, what can the Steelers do about it? Well, this one came out of left field, thin air, whatever cliche you want to use. Reported by Destin Adams of ATOZ Sports, which, yes, when you hear that right away, you think, okay, this is just some random guy making up some crap and just throwing it at the wall to see what sticks. He's a little bit more credible. He covers the Indianapolis Colts. Decently credible reporter. He, according to Steelers Now, was the first to break the Isaiah Rogers suspension this summer and even pointed out that, you know, if you're wondering if this guy should be believed in this rumor, he has broken some news surrounding Indianapolis. He says that the Steelers are one of the teams interested in trading for Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. This is the first public mention of the Steelers being in any sweepstakes to land the superstar running back out of Wisconsin after he first requested a trade back in July. Taylor has not played this year for the Colts. He's been on the pup list since training camp, has not participated in anything, has basically expressed he don't want to play in Indianapolis. He doesn't want to be a part of it. He doesn't like the direction in which the organization is going and how he's being treated. 
He's been a big proponent of the running back market not being valued enough. He, he fits the same build as Najee Harris, wanting running backs to be valued more than they are. Now, Jonathan Taylor is a better running back than Najee Harris. He's a better running back than Jalen Warren. But would this make any logical sense whatsoever because Taylor's seeking a new deal? I mean, what are the Steelers going to do? Just do a one-for-one trade with Najee Harris? That would be the only thing that would make sense in this situation. Adams has heard teams who have expressed interest in Taylor include the Steelers, the Washington Commanders, who have a couple of different backs, Robinson, they still have Antonio Gibson. Washington wouldn't make that much sense other than the fact that they have no star power on that entire team outside of Chase Young, and he just cannot find a way to stay on the field on the defensive side of the ball. Missed a ton of last year. He's been on the field this year. The Los Angeles Rams, who traded away Cam Akers to Minnesota, they have no running game. Their offensive identity is basically Matt Stafford trying to escape from the pocket and find guys Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, guys you've never heard of before outside of this year until Cooper Cup gets back. The Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Could you imagine Jonathan Taylor on the Dolphins with Raheem Mostert? He looks like he's found himself. What, three touchdowns last week? A. Chan at running back had 51 fantasy points last week as Miami posted 70 points on the Dolphins. That one felt personal, didn't it? For Miami and Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, a former ball boy for the Denver Broncos. You passed up on me. To be able to work in your offense. Sean Payton is the ultimate guy you choose. Yeah, I'm going to go at it with you. The Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that only makes logical sense because he's a Wisconsin guy. Green Bay ain't trading for him. With Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon. That doesn't make any sense. The Kansas City Chiefs were thrown in there. So this is the point, other than the Dolphins, where you see the Steelers being mixed in with some of these top AFC Teams, Kansas City, Miami, and the last team, Buffalo. Now for Buffalo, with James Cook as their back, Kansas City has Pacheco, former seventh-round pick. I don't see either team wanting to allot significant resources to a guy like Jonathan Taylor. But the Steelers wouldn't either. It would make no logical sense for the Steelers. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, they're a solid duo. They don't make that much money. Taylor had offseason ankle surgery. He's probably going to play for the Colts while Indianapolis listens to offers. But according to Steelers now, the reports are saying that Taylor has maintained he wants out of Indy following this public dispute with Jim Ursay about the running back market. He wants a new deal. The Colts haven't even negotiated with him. If you're the Steelers, and currently the big money you're paying is $18 million to number 18 Deontay Johnson on offense. You paid Isaac Sayamalo a decent chunk of change at left guard. You paid Chooks a core for, but you can get out of that deal after this year. James Daniels, Mason Cole, making them what they are. Even though I think the offensive line is starting to find something, I'm not happy with where they're at. They're not a group that collectively is strong enough right now where I feel good enough about the running game. Or about the guy calling the offensive plays. But the Steelers would be dumb to trade away 
draft capital for Jonathan Taylor. Yes, he's an explosive player. But at the financial cost right now, and compared to what Jalen Warren brings you, and a compliment with Najee Harris, those two guys paired together probably give you as much. And with the financial aspect of it, because you're paying the number one defense in the NFL, than what Jonathan Taylor can bring you. And it's another running back. Unless this is a Najee Harris for Jonathan Taylor trade, which I don't think Indianapolis would want to do. They want draft capital. They don't want another running back that's going to complain about the running back market and is going to want a big money deal. The Colts have had a history of screwing things up when they really shouldn't. And that they should just take advantage of what they have. One thing that I like to say and strive for, appreciate what you have, but always strive for more. Indianapolis does not appreciate what it has in Jonathan Taylor. And the Steelers should not be willing to just take him off Indianapolis's hands for a second-round pick. Now, if they're offering a fourth, yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a top-seven running back in the NFL. Really solid contributing player. Has been the leading rusher in the NFL. Good player. Good runner. It doesn't make any sense, though, for the Steelers whatsoever. Now, C.J. Stroud, on the opposite hand, is the quarterback for the Houston Texans that the Steelers will go up against. He was named Offensive Rookie of the Month this past month for his first three weeks of play. Former Ohio State quarterback. I'm sure a lot of Steeler fans are aware of him because of that. Some of the performances that he had against Penn State in the college football playoffs that have highlighted as C.J. Stroud. It was a top pick. Top three pick. We'll talk about him coming up next. Family Morning Show. Speaking of Kenny, has anything about the role and, and how you work together changed at all this season? No, nothing at all. I'm the coordinator and I work with him out there. Sully and I do, I think, a really good job of if I talk to him on the field, I quickly tell Sully what I said. If we had a meeting, he tells so We want to do a great job of having one voice, but there's... Nothing at all changed. Kenny and I have known each other, got a great relationship. Sally and I got a great relationship. We're, all we're trying to do is find ways to be more efficient, and that's all we do every week. So the Jordan Schultz report that Matt Canada is further working with Kenny Pickett, who is his quarterback. He's the offensive coordinator. They should be doing that on a day-to-day basis to begin with. That that relationship was further expounded on and that they are indeed working more so together, which they should have been anyway. It's just a bunch of bogus. It's it's bogus. It's just something that isn't true. Matt Canada has said it. Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin. And it seems like it's just a whole bunch of nothing. That basically, in anticipation of the Steeler game, riled up a bunch of fans, riled up anybody that would listen and continue to try to pile on Matt Canada and throw on more reasoning for people to discredit his position as Steelers' offensive coordinator. One thing that does not make that much sense to me is the usage of Darnell Washington at tight end. If you look up Darnell Washington's stat page on ESPN, 
It just says, no available information. He has made two starts. Steelers have been announced and have started out the game in 12 personnel with two tight ends, twice with Washington and Pat Fryermuth. Washington doesn't have a catch. I don't think he has a target. 6'7", 260, for an offense that does not really have that much of an identity, started to find itself in the game against the Raiders, really just putting sustainable drives together. And a lot of that was Kenny Pickett getting on the move. Play action was actually utilized. Something that has been so unbeknownst to the Steelers, using play action, rolling out, getting Pickett moving, using one half of the field, and he was able to do that to find Pat Fryermuth in the end zone for the best Steeler drive of the year to help pad the Steelers' lead and really help the Steelers win that game against the Raiders, which offense down the stretch wasn't very good. Three and out, Raiders scored. Scott decided to kick that field goal. It was a horrible decision by Josh McDaniels. Instead of just going for it, be aggressive. Being aggressive in sports is what wins. But instead, the offense did show something. Pickett rolled out, found Allen Robinson in the flat. First down, game over. And it's going to be a challenge going up against C.J. Stroud this upcoming week, the Ohio State quarterback. But before we do that, I want to go out to the phones and my guy Roland. Roland, what's up, man? You're the greatest, Austin. I love you so much. I cannot stop thinking about you, the fan, and calling in. I, here's, here's my take if you want to have a take real quick. Yeah. Number one, the Steelers are screwed up on their division of labor. You nailed it about Mount Washington. He can't be stopped. A five-yard pass over the middle or run a rub route with little Calvin running off of Mount Washington, Calvin can't be covered. He's elite. He's the next Antonio Brown. I hate to say that word AB. May God rest, you know, have mercy on my soul for making a comparison. The other guy that needs to get, get some snaps is Nate Herbig. He is nasty. Put him at center or put him in for right guard. We need to see him, Broderick Jones, they need to put the elite players they have and get them touches. Pickens, they start showing a little glimpse. This is the game that's going to save Matt Canna's career. This game is going to get a blowout. C.J. Stroud's had a great three games. Kenny's had the fight against Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby. They finally got Kenny moving, tucking the ball. They're starting to figure some stuff out. There's more people than Canada calling the plays. This is the game that saves Matt Canada, that saves Kenny's you know, future as a $300 million QB. They have to make the step. They have to be 4-1, 2-0 in the AFC North, 4-0 in the AFC. This is, a, this is the breakout game. They have a little bit of breathing room, and they're going to get seven or eight sacks against C.J. Stroud, who's looked great against nobody. Yeah. Wait till they turn these edge guys loose. Keanu Benton is an, is an animal. Desmond King needs snaps. Joey needs snaps. They got to start putting the best guys out there. Forget all these sub packages, all this confusion. Just get the ball, simple plays, and let these guys 
They have elite weapons. Jalen Warren is emerging as an elite weapon. Let these guys get the ball in space. They're going to either take it to the house, they're going to run people over, or they're going to get PI or illegal contact. Love the show. Love Craig Riley. Belated happy birthday to Craig yesterday. I'm not saying anything bad about Crowley today, about his no-joe. Well, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm sure Crowley will appreciate that. that. I actually love Crowley. Don't tell him that. Please don't let him know that I really do like him. And Doran and I had a beer together a couple of years ago. I love Doran, but you're, you're the future. I'm oh, well, I, the future. I appreciate the compliment, Roland. I appreciate the call. You make a lot of great points. And overall, yes, it is important for the Steelers at this point. It would They would go to 3-1, and one, as Roland was saying. They'd be 4-0 and oh against the AFC. But yeah, it's challenging overall when you don't see Joey Porter Jr., Broderick Jones, because so many times in the past for the Steelers, the key first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick have been big-time factors. But that's not necessarily a bad thing that they're not. Yes, I want to see Broderick Jones out at left tackle, partly because he's better than Chuksakora for, in my mind. Do we truly know that, though? I mean, realistically. He looked good in the preseason, but we discredited the preseason after the Steelers looked horrendous against San Francisco. And so many people on the station were saying, and myself included after that San Francisco game, we can't buy so much stock, push all of our chips into the middle, because of what the preseason showed us and what the Steelers did going 3-0, and five touchdowns on five drives for the offense, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we have not seen Broderick Jones in that many offensive reps against big-time players. But if you do want to deploy him, now would be the time because you don't have Max Crosby and Miles Garrett. You have Will Anderson for Houston right now, but he's a rookie. Dynamic, dynamic player, very good player out of Alabama. That's why Houston decided to give up its first-round pick next year to trade up and get him. When Houston's probably going to have a top-five pick, you could have potentially, if you were the Texans, kept your pick, played horribly like you're going to probably do because you're the Houston Texans. Your division sucks. But you still are a young team that has not that much going for you at the moment. Some positive things, but you're going to have a top-five pick. Just the reality of it. You could have tried to pair C.J. Stroud with Marvin Harrison Jr., who might end up going to the Arizona Cardinals, but they've won a game this year, to potentially pair C.J. Stroud Stroud with Marvin Harrison again from their college days would have been cool. But now, C.J. Stroud honestly looks pretty good. Would you take C.J. Stroud or Kenny Pickett right now? i take Pickett just because of experience. Out of college, I liked Bryce Young a lot better than C.J. Stroud. I don't think, I don't try to buy into this whole thing that Ohio State quarterbacks can't play in the NFL. It's not, it can be a system thing, but on an individual basis, that's more so where you need to judge quarterbacks. Stroud, yes, did throw to Marvin Harrison, to Garrett Wilson, to Chris Olave. To Abuka, who are all going to be for who are all either were first round picks 
or will be first-round picks. Abuka may be a second-rounder. Top talent everywhere. Ryan Day, great head coach. Ohio State, top five program in the country. One of the best in all of football. We know that. With Ohio State only being three hours away in Columbus. C.J. Stroud was named Offensive Rookie of the Month for September. Stroud, the first winner of that award for the Texans since 2017. Eighth player in the franchise history to receive the honor. How about some of the other players who have earned it? Steve Slayton? Dominic Williams? DeAndre Hopkins? And our buddy in Cleveland, Deshaun Watson, in 2017. He was good in three games. 78 for 121. 900 yards passing. Four touchdowns. A passer rating of 98. CJ Stroud's been good. He's been better than Bryce Young. Partly because Bryce Young hasn't been able to stay on the field with injuries. Stroud, though, here's the key number. Zero interceptions. He's taking care of the ball. He's not turning it over. Which for a young rookie quarterback against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's pretty common that you give the ball away. That TJ Watt's going to get his. Would not be surprised to see an interception, a forced fumble. It's what Belichick defenses do to rookie quarterbacks. It's what Tomlin defenses do to rookie quarterbacks. The Steelers threw three games, currently at two and one, looking to move to three and one. So far in the AFC North, 1-0. With Baltimore coming up on the other side of Houston. Don't think the Steelers will look past Houston to get to Baltimore. D'Amico Ryans is a good head coach. I think the Steelers know that. They're playing decently well in a bad division. But they beat Jacksonville. That was a surprise to pretty much everybody. If you pick Jacksonville in a dynasty poll type of league that you have where a survivor pull to hold on, somebody that you got to pick to continuously win to keep your season alive. Jacksonville was a sexy pick last week against Houston, and the Texans upset everybody. But the Steelers through three weeks have eight have forced eight turnovers. Eight turnovers. That's the most since 2010. I would expect that to continue against C.J. Stroud. Damian Pierce, this is really surprising. Pierce was a guy that came on last year, solid player. Damian Pierce, 40 rushes, 100 yards. He's two and a half yards per rush. That's bad, Austin. That's not good, Crowley. They only have 200 rushing yards on the year. They're a terrible rushing team against a Steelers run defense that's tied for 30th in the NFL. So, this is signaling good things for the Steelers in the running game. Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, they did not play well the first two games, especially Levi Wallace. Patrick Peterson, after talking the talk and not walking the walk against San Francisco, played all right against Cleveland, was good, other than that long touchdown pass early in the game against the Raiders of Devontae Adams, where he seemingly jumped in the air after Adams caught the ball. But yeah, Levi Wallace, two picks. Patrick Peterson had a pick. I would expect Minka to get one against C.J. Stroud. I just feel it. Minka Fitzpatrick will have an interception. 
and the Steelers will win this game. Let's talk about TJ Watt. He took home some hardware. Coming up next, Fan Early Morning Show. The Wake Up Show is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply today at 84lumber.com. So TJ Watt, yeah, we know how good he is. He is the Steelers' new franchise leader in single-season sacks, 81 and a half. That official number that it took to break James Harrison's record at home, Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns. For his efforts, he has been awarded AFC Defensive Player of the Month. He's been that good. NFL Defensive Player of the Month. I mean, TJ Watt is somebody that just takes your breath away. You don't understand why he's this good. I mean, he's... Well, I mean, you can't understand it. Work ethic, drive, motivation, genes, being the brother of JJ. Six sacks, two forced fumbles, a touchdown on the scoop and score with Alex Highsmith, four quarterback hurries in three games. I mean, we know how good TJ is. It's just. It's just continuing to be mind-blowing to me because he legitimately broke James Harrison's record in, like, 50 fewer games. And it's all a part of this Steeler defense that continues to lead the league in sacks and be a dynamic force alongside Alex Highsmith. So great for Watt. This is great for Highsmith, really, too. I mean, those two are the best two pass rushers. When you pair them together, they make the best duo in all the NFL. As Watt has been named AFC Defensive Player of the Month for September, Alex Highsmith has been great. TJ Watt has been great, and it's a big reason why the Steelers were able to win their last two games and we'll be able to do so against Houston. Score prediction, 24-14. Steelers win it by 10. The pre-show is coming up next. Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan.